Echo. 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 Boys, we're talking all things Maya Lopez. We're talking all things Kingpin. We're talking the big festival. We're talking the roller rink. We're talking what exactly happened after after Hawkeye. What's about to happen in Daredevil: Born Again? Let's go, Echo Boys. I can't imagine anything less like I was. Try, it's it's crazy that we do something niche like Bad Batch, even even nicher with High Republic, and then we go not up, but we're going deeper and a deeper dive into Echo. Um, and you can't see, but we are we are doing sign um, sign language. Echo, Echo boys, Echo boys, Echo, Echo boys. First What's new up, episode twenty twenty four. Just to remind everyone, we are fan agnostic experts above reproach. That's the new theme. We do not care if you like our podcast. We do not care if you live or die. We are experts. We are taking no corrections. <laughs> I do. Oh, there, man. there is no misspeaking on this podcast. We know our Star Wars. We do not need you to correct us because what we say is correct. We are experts and we are above reproach. It is canon. So excited that when I logged in to record the app today, I was informed that as of June, there is going to be some weirdo AI editing taking over the platform we use. Oh, really? Thrilled to think about just how much of my voice I have given away for free to this mega platform conglomerate and how that will be used to nothing but nefarious means, probably to prank my loved ones into giving money to some sort of horrible scheme or something in the future by making a AI recreation of my dulcet tones. Uh, the only thing I have to keep my concerns at bay is the knowing fact that despite the continued badgering of certain fans, I have never succumbed to calls to get a microphone of quality. <laughs> and so hopefully that will be my saving grace. Um, well, that's the thing about AI. Um that I think is probably your saving grace because a lot of people are like, oh, AI is like so dangerous, so dangerous tracking, tracking. But if like, if you put on like one of those like comical fake mustaches, you fool AI. If you put on sunglasses, you fool AI. So, um, whereas our frenemy, John Favreau, uh, sees any potentially dystopian technology being developed and was like, how can I monetize this? Um, we, on the other hand, uh, won't be affected for, for many years. The answer to how can I monetize this, of course, being, well, just go ahead and do it anyway. But then in the making of, make sure to make a comment of like, no, yeah, I know it's bad. And then you're covered. Like you can have your cake and eat it too. Of like, yeah, we use this bad thing. Did you know? I wish I could have cake. bad. But you don't get bodies like ours eating cake. Just so, just so you're aware. Yes, 
Yes, yes, and this is coming from the body of someone who is recently years young. Oh! Wow. Mm-hmm. Years young. Well, I mean, one might say forever young, um, due to just, years forever young, um, due to just the techniques from our workout um, plan, which and today like go... will, will be exploiting our voice and keeping our um, of us alive forever, long after we're dead. I mean, we we have released our um, fitness plan for free, um, the Po Boys Fight for Your Life five k five k. We were a good enough podcast then there's a world where it's just like AI gets so good that it you just put the Star Wars content into one end of the AI and then it just spits out nonsense in our voice on the other end. Mm-hmm. Like we're not, we couldn't get away with that. But if we were good enough, by the time that technology came around, we would be able to get away with that. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I, I mean, there is some news. I mean, we're starting we're starting the year off with um, our coverage of Star Wars: The Bad Batch, but that's not to say that there isn't a. I mean, this is a big year in Star Wars. Um, without right. even Phantom Menace is coming back to theaters. Huge. Um, that's coming back to theaters. Um, Star Wars Celebration tickets are going to be on sale at some point, so yeah. you know we'll kind of detail what's going to happen there. Um, whether or not we're both going to go. Um, I would be shocked. Um, and uh, we got some news um, just recently, like within the last day, we're recording this um, on a Wednesday. They just released the release date for the Acolytes. Um, so theoretically, if we did this podcast on a normal schedule, we would go Bad Batch, take like a few week break, and then go straight into... The Acolyte, which is going to be on June 5th. I don't know if you saw that, Josh. Yeah, Bad Batch is going to be over long before that, though. It'll be all over May 3rd, I believe. May 3rd or May 5th. So they'd be about oh, a yeah, month. Okay, you're right. No, you're right. I, yeah, because I know that they're like doubling and tripling up on episodes at seemingly arbitrary weeks. Uh, but yeah, I guess it, it would only be a month. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so. What um, will call Acolyte Boys? I don't know. I was just thinking of it on my car ride home to record the app. Um, um, I mean, I, I have some ideas, but... Um, okay. okay. Off mic, off mic. But yeah, they um, said who the composer is. Um, so we got a new Star Wars composer. Oh, for Acolyte? Mm-hmm. Michael Abels, um, who is connected to Jordan Peele. So he did Get Out, he did Us, he did Nope. Um, oh I wow! Did, I, I assume he did the other projects, so that's pretty cool. And um, then you know the same the same casting people. You know they just um, um, said that out. But I guess we never covered this. Um, at least I don't remember covering this. But so the actors we got a Mandalus um, Sturberg who's the lead, um, and then the cast members we got Lee Jung Jae who's famous from um, Squid Games. Carrie Ann Moss of um, Matrix, Matrix theme, and she's in um, the Mar- she's in Daredevil. I think she's in a couple of the other projects. Um, then we have Rebecca Henderson from Russian Doll, um, Huna Swintemo, um, who plays Chewbacca, but he's going to play a, a different Wookiee in this. Daphne Kane and Manny Jacinto. 
But oh yeah, Manny Jacinto, I remember being excited for. Yeah. Yeah, and Daphne and Kane, she um had her, her own well, H- yeah. she had her own HBO show. Um that and just she was X twenty three and in Logan. Right, 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 right. Her big breakout role, I think. And then yeah, she was in his dark materials. But they did release this, and this is this is a, a wild a, a while ago. Um this this little um um casting news, which was confirmed. Um, on Collider, Rebecca Henderson, um, who's famous for the Russian Doll, I've never seen any of her work. Her character was released, and she's Vernestra Rowe. Mm, yeah, reportedly. Um, yeah, I mean it's been reported from multiple sources in the showrunner um, that she's going to be um, Vernestra Rowe. So as far mm. I'm, I'm operating as that being the the case. But it also, it's um, you know we we our last episode was on High Republic. Um, the timing of the show is like a hundred years before the Phantom Menace. The the timeline of High Republic, you can catch our episodes on this. Um, we're all it's um it's a head scratcher. The episodes themselves and what 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 um, Star Wars is doing with High Republic right now, but uh, it is cool. I mean, I, I enjoy that character immensely in um, the High Republic series. So I am uh, looking forward to that. We'll probably I I am, I, I am saying though. With a grain of salt, because I haven't seen this release date confirmed through any like reputable sources. No offense. Oh, really? I checked StarWars.com. I just did a cursory kind of news search. I mean, it could, it could turn out to be true. Could turn out to be true. Seems like the right timetable, but you know, don't go quoting the the Po Boys to your banker when you tell them you can't pay your mortgage <laughs> on June 5th because that's the day Acolyte comes out, you know? Betting on Star Wars um, releases is crazy. But, you know, sports betting is pretty big, so I'm sure it's gotten up to that point. But, yeah, I'm, um, I mean, it's awesome cast. Oh, yeah, um, stacked for sure. Cool, cool story, cool world building. I mean, huge um, potential to, you know, live action Star Wars has yet, and not even animated, really. I mean, this is the most removed cinematic Star Wars has has been. You know, it's the it's the it's the biggest step away from the Skywalker saga. I feel that that cinematic Star Wars has taken. So yeah, and and um... so much potential there. I mean, if if Acolyte is good, Disney will you know force willing. Disney could take the right lessons away from from something like that and maybe just start, you know, mm-hmm. taking bigger swings and and not tying everything back to Darth Vader and not making everyone Palpatine's granddaughter or whatever and and you know, the future could be bright. Very uh, a lot of potential, very excited for it. When it sounds like it's a crime show too from from what I've been reading, so that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that's going to that's the midpoint of 2024. And then um, it doesn't seem like any of the other projects would be done by then. So I think that would be kind of the Star Wars. That's true. Um, yeah. It seems like Andor is maybe not going to be till 2025. Oh, Skeleton Crew. Skeleton Crew. What am I talking about? Potentially, yeah, I guess. We haven't heard anything about that in a <clears> while. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a trailer for Skeleton Crew or Acolyte yet at this point. Yeah, well, it's also... You know, we're now in the Star Wars point where not in, in, in terms of universe, you can't really view it like this. But in terms of communication, it's 
they're always having content stacked on content. So like, um, you know, we're talking about Bad Batch today and we just finished, what was it? Echo was is what just finished before this. I mean, but uh, that was a while ago. Um, no, it was, it was the beginning of January. Yeah, it was like over a month ago. Right. And it came um, out all at once. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, I don't there. I mean, there was a time, you know, where it did seem like as soon as one, you know, purportedly a tier show ended, another picked up its place the very next, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. But I don't, right. That does not seem to be the case to me anymore. <laughs> and that also might be the effect of the strike. Yeah. I, mean, might I think be... hugely that, like, that's why we're not seeing Andor this year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I would, I would guess it's Skeleton Crew, and then, um, you know, some combination of Ahsoka, Andor, or Mandalorian season four would be twenty twenty five. Plus twenty twenty five is when we'll probably get all the movie announcements. Like there'll probably be trailers, and there'll be people attached to projects. Although we went to when we went to Celebration Chicago. That was Force Awakens. Mm-mm. That was Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Okay. When we went to Orlando, was Force Awakens? Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Okay. Um. So. There. Oh, right. Because I saw I you saw Mandalorian um first sneak peek, and then I saw Rise of Skywalker in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that would be my guess in terms of the productions that they're they're going through so um yeah i mean a lot to certainly content to talk about and that's not even talking about the books you know oh we've got to talk about the books oh we've got to talk about the books oh and then there is that game star wars outlaws that's supposed to come out i think at the end of this year oh okay which is like supposed to be like their makeup for thirteen thirteen. Yeah, that'd be my guess. <laughs> that would be my guess. I feel like every Star Wars video game for the next twenty years is somehow a makeup for thirteen thirteen. Thirteen thirteen. Well, it probably um, would have been like a B minus game. Oh yeah. Well, it's also. I mean, where are the lightsabers? There's no lightsabers in that. Yeah. Um. The last little bit of news is I. You know what? We don't do spoilers, so um, I, I've got nothing else. Great. Um, if, unless you've got anything. Well, there's big the big casting news for uh, Daddy Pedro. Which is? That Pedro Pascal was cast as Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. Makes sense. Um, he is Mr. Fantastic in real, in real life. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, it had um, the the person who plays the flame guy. I'm not familiar with. He, you should be. He's, you're a metalhead, right? You're a heavy metal guy now because of that no. gentleman. Oh, that's him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You should okay. be more familiar with him than me. I don't really know him. And then it's the guy from um, the Punisher and Flash the Bear. Um, yeah. And the bear. I don't watch the bear, but I'm, I, you know, I obviously know that he's in the bear. But you watch the Punisher every day. You, you're obsessed with the Punisher. 
You yeah, have it's like called a, it's called looking in the mirror. You actually oh, have like a sticker. You actually have like a oh, sticker on your truck. Flash, flashback. Next to like truck. a weirdly colored American flag from the Punisher. Yeah, I. It's nice to think that somebody out there listening to this might think I'm a truck guy. Um, you're you're in for a rude awakening when uh, you see me in person. Yeah, and he's actually in a Hummer H2. Hummer H2. Hummer H. I haven't seen one of those in a while. Well, yeah, so that that's going to be really cool for him. And plus, he has, obviously, Mandalorian. Um, he's got season two. Um, oh, that, um, it seems like the dogs are out. Uh, pretty excited about Pedro Pascal. Um, but he has season two of um, Last of Us, which will be good for him. Yeah. Um, and then I don't even know the other projects he has, so that's, that's awesome for Pedro. Yeah, he's killing it. Hmm. He's killing it. Well, um, any anything else before we get into uh, our 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 main our main section of today? No. Yeah, I um. So we're covering the premiere of Star Wars season three, Bad Batch, the final season, and we are going to cover uh, the first three episodes. Episode one is titled Confined. Episode two is Paths Unknown. And episode three is Shadows of Tantus. Um, what Jennifer a great Qu- name, that last one. I mean, Shadows of Tantus. Yeah. I didn't even realize the planet was called Tantus until I, I thought there was, you know what, let's not, let's not skip ahead to the last one. I just thought it was um, called Shadow Planet. I, so all these are written by Jennifer Corbett is the showrunner. She's the mm. lead writer. Um, she has been attached to this since the beginning. But sometimes Dave would be on some episodes. Uh, a couple other people would be on some episodes. But um, she has the first three episodes. I assume she is going to have the majority. Um, I haven't. I haven't really gone ahead to the titles. If you are interested, all the titles are released, I believe. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, I figured. I mean, each. Each episode. Okay, go ahead. No, I mean, getting some snacks. Go ahead. Are you getting some snacks, or are you like burrowing for the winter? Just getting like... some snacks. Just taking out some Girl Scout cookies. All right, I actually thought you were like packing something. Um... Unpacking something. Snacks. So these episodes are basically standalone episodes. Um, we have the state of where Omega's at and um, Crosshair in episode one, where Wrecker and Hunter are in episode two, and then we go back to Omega and um, Crosshair's in episode three. So I kind of figured maybe we combine episode one and three together in episode two by itself. Um, or do you just want to go in uh, in the order, the sequential order? I mean, I don't know. I think they all fit together okay. Yeah, I mean, we may as well just treat them like one big thing at this point. Oh, as if it if it was just one mega episode. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like it's all it's all building to them breaking out, and then even the cutaway to uh, Hunter and Wrecker is sort of. 
just feels like, oh, well, why aren't Hunter and Wrecker there to rescue them? So you have that sort of, you know, aside, but because I three is a strange number of episodes to release. Yeah. Like why three? Why not two? Or one? I mean, if if you're if you're not going to do one, you do two. But like three, I don't know. If you're going to do three, why not do four? I don't know. What are you doing? I know. I know why it's three. Oh yeah. Because this is not a fun show. (laughs) And and by what? But what I mean by that is, at various points last the last two seasons, I'll rewatch something, and this show is just sad. It's just like. All right. Um, here is a girl, a little girl, who is imprisoned, and her individuality is taken away from her. Um, she's fighting for, you know, to get out. The person that she was there to save has just given up on life entirely, and she's just like pushed down over and over and over again. The episode two and three um, are also like ninety ninety five percent the same. Um, you need episode three to have some hope in the show. Otherwise, it's just so depressing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want a lot. I like, I'm not gonna until I know the end story of this. I'm not rewatching this episode. Um, I do not want to watch this episode because I am connected to this character. I want this character to make it out in the end. I want their, you know, um, they're going to Pabu, right? Um, everybody wants to go to Pabu and hang out at Pabu and. Like, you know, go on a boat or something. Yeah, Pabu um, Boys. Yeah, Pabu Boys. So, you know, there's that. But, uh, no, this is not a fun show to watch right now. So that's that's why episode three gives you a slimmer of hope that they're okay. But even then, it's still depressing. Like, it, it's still, you are scared for these characters at the end of episode three. Yeah, it's a super intense mm. show. Yeah. Watching it, I mean, I, you know, I've been away for a minute since season two, and I haven't rewatched Clone Wars or Rebels in a minute, but watching it, the premiere, I was really taken with like how cinematic it was and how much it focused on mood and how that kind of triggered the intensity. I mean, there's, I think early last season, we kind of talked about there being like David Lynch style room tone to it, where like even when they're just sitting in silence in a hallway, there's just like the sound of air. And like, I mean, how many shots did we get? of that freaking blood vial subter you know centrifuge or whatever ticking towards the towards her vial of blood and you just have there's so much uh so much of the time of this show is dedicated to just stuff that well and the inner the mood it's not narrative it's just mm-hmm. vibe in it in it that paying attention or you know putting focus and putting economy behind the vibe helps ratchet up that tension and then it also makes stuff that's sad like all the sadder and stuff that's a bummer all the more of a bummer well and and uh you know there's the sink um going too, like while she in her in her cell too but i also i mean one of the the last movies i watched um at the start and it, I, I recently saw it was the zone of interest um which is this holocaust movie about um just daily life in um like in 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 terms of this nazi family outside this concentration camp and you know it's all about um describing the totalitarian state and um the goal of the movie was to describe like um any of us have this ability to commit these acts of atrocity 
I don't think the movie portrayed it, um, like had its end goal um, go well enough, but it's just been on my mind of like um, totalitarian states, just like the um, negative side of the empire. And it's just a real bummer just watching um, her go through this. My did you count the number of days that she wrote down that she, that she was, the, she had been on Tantus? I think it was like 23 I believe it, but true to Star Wars, where keep in mind, Boba Fett is younger than Bo-Katan. Uh, there's there's very much some some nebulous Star Wars timekeeping going on, where like <clears throat> the two young clones on that jungle planet are asking about like, oh yeah, how long's your friend been gone? And the answer we get is too long. Right. Ah, yes, that's right. How much how much time takes place between? Empire and Return of the Jedi. A while. Well, How speaking long of she locked up. Well, about two or three inches of hair worth of time. Well, her her model <laughs> they I don't know if you noticed it, but they did grow her model out. So she has aged um compared to last season. Yeah. Um now it's not her hair, it's just I think her body's they just made her body. Her hair bigger. changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not wearing the helmet anymore. Um, which I mean, she has I a full remember. ponytail. That's you know the cut in the scene. Her hair gets all long or whatever. Which the clone? So the the doctor clone is named Emery, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Emery Clark. Led, are we led to believe that she's supposed to turn into Emery? Like that's what she's going to end up as because the two of them do not. I mean, granted, you know Daniel Logan doesn't look like the end product right. of of that. So it doesn't have to be a one for one, but I mean that's that's basically what we're supposed to be. What we're led to believe is that she's going to eventually turn into looking like Emery. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, um, Daniel Logan was in episode two. That's right. Um, but only played, as, but only as one of the clones. Yes, he played Mex, not Deke or Stack. Right. We were played by Julian Dennison from. Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, okay. Yeah, I um well we'll we'll get to that. So the episode one can find is just going through her routine. Um yeah. the episode starts with um this um down ship, um, and then the troopers um get killed. Uh Doctor Um Creepo. Hemlock. Like, yeah, Doctor Hem- Hemlock. Doctor Hemlock, um is um just lets them die nobody seems to really care and i do think we need to give credit to uh jimmy simpson who is the voice actor for dr hemlock he really brilliantly manages despite being from new jersey i believe to sound like a british guy doing an american accent Okay. Despite being an American. Well, he also, I mean, he he does a very good job. Like, it's very clear that his ideas are outside the norm. Mm-hmm. That he is a unhinged person that is trying to act like they're calm and collected when he is, in fact, not calm and collected. He just has complete control right now. Um, he's a great villain. Like, I want him... Um, similar to Rampart, like Rampart was great last year. Um, 
you want an untimely end to come to them for sure. Yeah, and I, I think he also though treads a lot. There's a fine line to be tread where like you don't want to, you know, you. It's like the difference between loving to hate a villain and just like hating a villain. I mean, I think that we've got like throughout Clone Wars and animated Star Wars, there have been a number of villains who are just like gross. Right. Like the their their whole villain thing will be like I'm cruel and also I'm like gross and I like burp or you know I'm you know and that's it's like they're not they're not enjoyable to watch like you don't like them because they're an antagonist but also you just like don't even like spending time with them you don't I would want say to be that... around them at all and I don't I think Hemlock is like you said I mean he's you want him to get what's his but I also like I don't hate spending time with that character. You know, he's compelling enough as an antagonist to to hold your interest and in, in not, you know, to, to to elicit more than just raw contempt. <laughs> I, I would say as an example of that, I just rewatched season two. There's the two episode arc where they're um, mining for like an energy source. Is that when they're saving they... like all the little boys or whatever? Or... Mm-hmm. And then it's the, yeah. the cat, the cat person who like is just like this like obese guy eating all the food and yeah that's just... who i was thinking of mm-hmm. so definitely definitely um a character that um is is a is a worthy villain and that's that's also something that you know this era struggles with right and it's something that rebels struggled with of you know you can't have vader do everything we can't have vader in this vader certainly can't be in this because um you know, Palpatine at the end of episode three is like, people will consider this an abomination. There are people in the ranks that don't want this to happen. So he's keeping this about as tight lip as humanly possible because the cloning he's trying to do is cloning himself. I think that we can all agree that that's what he's working towards. Or at least that's my best guess. Mm-hmm. Well, so, we've heard Project Necromancer before, have we not? That was Project Necromancer was in Rogue... One when they're looking through all the projects. Was it? Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, um, is my understanding. And I don't know how many what projects are left that um, they haven't done yet. Um, I know one of the projects was season three of The Mandalorian. Um, the name's not um, uh, coming to mind immediately. And then the other one. Yeah, I think was, that was Project Necromancer. Yes, it F- was. And then episode eight, um, the like tracking people through hyperspace. That was one of the other ones from Rogue One. Yeah, Project um, Necromancer is not in Rogue One. It's in the Mandalorian. Is it okay? So this episode, I mean, there's not really much to talk about. It. It's just like she, you go through her, you go through her routine. Um, she doesn't give up hope. Um, she's able to have some degree of freedom, so she can see. Um, crosshairs and have conversations with them and um, she kind of sees the cruelty of the base Um, she one of her tasks is like helping the animals that are in charge of like tracking and killing people or I guess protecting people that go out outside the gates of the facility I think they're like yeah they seem to be like an animal moat between the base and that bear thing. Mm-hmm. The bear thing was really cool. Yeah, I thought it, I thought the bear thing was cooler than those dog things. I 
Mm-hmm. Dog things didn't quite grab me. I think as much as the animation has improved from Clone Wars to now, there is still this thing to me where like certain things that are supposed to be imposing or frightening never feel sharp enough. Right. Like stuff always is like slightly rounder than it would be if it were truly intimidating. I don't know. And the horns on those dog things and stuff, it just seemed a little blunt. Um, yeah. The creature, the creature design of those didn't, didn't grab me quite so much, but I liked that bear lion thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we just get the kind of see her routine, which helps with ep- episode three, where you know we've all we've been to all these locations that she's going to so you know you've you've kind of already seen where she's escaping and how she how she is escaping we also see that lama say um is intentionally hiding her blood and that her blood is the key because she's she's not the original clone but um there is something special in her blood which has never been described never been explained which no. presumably and, will be. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you point out what I'm going to say and her doing that because we also find out, and I haven't, I mean, I'm not extremely online, but I did a cursory glance to see if anyone else had been talking about this, and I don't feel like anyone has, but, you know, I feel like we get confirmation here that Kevin Owens invented ASMR. <laughs> um, how so? Did you listen to the episode yeah or did you just have subtitles on? well there you go no i'm not a subtitle guy oh, um omega here's your blood sample don't do the thing take the take the data pad she doesn't change her voice at all too like like they could have easily heard her say take the data pad which it is funny that, like, in Star Wars, like, everything is just turned on and off with, like, an iPad. Um, which is, like, that's the only facility where that's actually a thing. It's a very visual world, Pete. IP- iPads are very visual devices. Right, yeah. Well, that's episode one. Um, episode two is titled Paths Unknown. And... Um, I'll just read the, there's brief descriptions, which all of them are accurate. So episode one's description on Wikipedia was, imprisoned on Tantus, Omega adjusts to a new life. Very, very accurate. Mm-hmm. And then Paths Unknown is, following a lead, Hunter and Wrecker make a startling discovery. A startling discovery. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know if I agree with the startling part. Um... But that 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 starts. Um, you know, we've we we've um, been wondering where they are. Um, Rec- a hunter at the end of the season says, "Our mission's not done until we find her." Mm-hmm. Um, which I in the rewatch I thought would be a lot more impactful. Not as impactful as I thought it was going to be. Um, but um, you know, it's been twenty plus days. Wrecker and Hunter um, are at some planets. Um, they're um, at the court of the Durand family, um, which is from season one. 
a which is a syndicate that um oh my gosh sid gets in trouble with if you remember i forget what the specific episode is but they find um the person from a rival syndicate that cut off the horn of um i just had his name up roland durand so they track down the person that defamed um or defaced roland durand all for some information about um hemlock so for was... for his mom played by freaking angelica houston angelica houston name doesn't uh, ring a bell uh off the top of my head she's the mom in um Darjeeling, well, she's in a couple of Wes Anderson movies. Uh, she's she's pretty famous. She won a, some stuff. Uh, what is her? What is she most well known for? I don't know. Um, yeah, okay, anyway, well, she's, uh, she's an okay. actress of note. If you looked her up, you would recognize her. Okay, yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was interesting. I, w- I was thinking to myself of where do I remember the Durands? Like, is this like a solo reference? Um. Because they they give her a pike um, mm-hmm. from the Pike Syndicate, and then she makes a note that like if you're desperate enough to go against the Pikes, this must information must really be worth it to you. And uh, Roland um, Duran, I think had a like they there was interactions between him and um, Omega in the episode. It's been a while since I've, I saw that that episode of season one. But, yeah, if we were a good podcast, we would have just looked it up. But <laughs> eh. right, so they get this um, lead. They're heading to a planet. There's a conversation in terms of tactics. Wrecker is the voice of reason. Uh, you know, the last time we went in, guns a blazing. Um, dot dot dot. Tech passed away. Um, so let's um, you know think about this because um, Echo and Rex won't be there for a couple days. Um, Hunter does not care. Um, he will be gun- going in guns blazing, which will be interesting because he's been the voice of reason for everything, right? Like all last season, he's um, kind of been the one that's been more reserved, um, thinking about these things. And um, now he is kind of more unhinged and is, you know, um, he, he doesn't have the patience. He doesn't have the patience anymore. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of that planet I thought it looked pretty good but I so to me animation wise planet wise the the very opening with the ship crash landing in this first episode on the on the first jungle planet and the lightning hitting the trees and stuff was the height of the animation here the second planet that they go to, I mean, I guess it makes sense that it's also a jungle planet because for a minute you, you want to have a misdirect where you're like, oh, did they get the right planet or no before they come on the facility. But I think because they tried to play it up as sort of a misdirect, it you know, it serves that purpose, but then because of that, it's not that aesthetically compelling. And we also, I mean, we only see it at night. So I'm sure some of the what could be a, a lusher detail doesn't really jump out, but I mean I didn't I didn't hate spending time with it. I wasn't the vines I could take or leave for a while. Toward the end they got more they felt more like a threat. Initially they didn't quite grab because uh, their vines and they do that me 
Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, the planet was was kind of neither here nor there. But I enjoyed them seeing younger clones, and it's sort of a reminder of what this whole show is about to me, which is like what happened to this entire subsect of society that played such a huge part in this role. And then they're nowhere come a new hope. And so it, I think, I feel like it's important to see other clones out there who are also struggling in different ways um, and to have the bad batch play off of those characters. Well, and also just two of, you know, they've been abandoned and they have that moral dilemma of do we abandon these people or not? Um, mm -hmm. And you recognize that the clones, the difference between droids, the difference between stormtroopers are that they think for themselves, that there are things that they value. You know, there's the line from Rex in my book, experience matters more. Um, and just kind of learning and seeing um, people from that. Um, my, so the facility is abandoned, not because he gets a new facility, but because one of the experiments gone, has gone wrong. Now, in the last season, it's not just with clones they're experimenting, right? So, like, the Zillow Beast is something that he's also experimenting with. So, they're mm -hmm. taking um, things from all over the place. Was this a Sarlacc? Like, yeah, I, I don't... I don't think so, but it's because to me, it elicited the Sarlacc a bit, particularly at the end, but then at parts, it also sort of elicited a Dianoga, and I feel like it, you know, I, I think it's just pulling from the uh, the subconscious DNA of Star Wars visual language to bring that creature, but I, I don't think it's supposed to expressly be a Sarlacc. Okay. Um, because we've also only ever seen a Sarlacc in the desert, so, like, it had the right. teeth of it, um, the Sarlacc does have, like, tentacles, but, like, they're not, they don't reach out, you know, a mile away from that facility. Yeah. And is it multiple Sarlaccs? Um, kind of a little bit of, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, it'll be interesting to see how they explain that. But, yeah, so, they, um, risk their oh, lives. I'd be shocked if they explain it. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, they're obviously going to name it at some point. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. They got that's true. They have to name it. They can't. They can't mm -hmm. sell merchandise of it if they don't name it. Um, which speaking of, I was just at. I was in Boston over the weekend, and um, I was on a, a school trip, and some students went to. Um, they have a Lego Discovery store, like one of those stores where you can like make your own Lego pieces and stuff, and they have um a lot of Mandalorian season four um, on there. So it was interesting to kind of see some of those um, Star Wars pieces. Um, they had the, whatever the Mandalorian ship is in a TIE fighter um, from like the last couple episodes of that season, um, which is cool to look at. So yeah, they need the, they need the name in order to make the Lego set for sure. Yeah. So they, they risk their lives to get to an access panel um, let's assume it's Mex. Daniel Logan's character is the one that like helped them. I don't know if that's true or it's not. not. Oh, it's not. So it's Stack or Deke. Yeah. Okay. I don't know which. Mex is the one that is like, all right, take me to the ship. Oh, he's the leader. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 
Um, you know, they help, um, they get information and they end up with a sector. They don't have a specific location. Um, sector four, sector four, sector four is where the sector on the planet. So many sectors, Mm -hmm. a lot of space. There's a lot of space, um, for them to start covering. So in the grand scheme of things, none of it matters because they're going to go to the end of episode three, presumably, unless they get, you get instantly captured. But it shows, you know, it, it shows you the state of where Wrecker and Hunter are. It shows you, you know, kind of how desperate that they are and yeah. that they have not stopped at all. Now, they don't really show an exhaustion type of thing, more just, a, you know, um, Hunter's thinking, his frame of reference is off. From previous his lack seasons, of caution. Yeah. yeah, I mean, record being the one for caution, kind of just you know, record only really ever has caution when it comes to heights. So him being the voice of reason really does say something from previous yeah. seasons. But yeah, let's um, any any remaining thoughts before we get to um, shadow shadows of Tantus. I thought the devil lady was cool. Um, I feel like they wouldn't have Angelica Houston in that role if that character weren't coming back. But I do think Angelica Houston also had a role in Star Wars Visions Season 2. So, I don't know. Maybe they just already had her there. Uh, I I liked the cool tagline that Wrecker gave them of defective and effective. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, had to, I had intended to scream that at the top of my lungs as soon as we started recording, but I forgot. Next week. That's what I'm going to say if I ever get injured, and I'm <laughs> and, I, and I'm in physical therapy. Defective and effective. They'll be like, "Sir, please, please sit down." Defective and effective. <laughs> um, yeah, and I I actually don't hate the Duran family, like, um. I'm sure some people are like another syndicate, another crime family. You know, we have the Huts, we have the Pikes, um, we have whatever was it, Crimson Sun, Crimson Dawn, or whatever. Dawn. Um, Now we have this one. Mustn't forget the Egyptian mummy. That's the Pike. Oh, this is no, this is different from poisoning the tea on Mandalore with Corky. Um, Trust yeah, we're, we're a good, it, we're a good podcast. Yeah, I think I thought you were going to bring up um, Conja Club. No, I mean you can't forget Conja Club either, yeah, or um, or or other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the something Death King. Oh um, man, the Death Death the Swabian. I want to say Guavian. Guavian. No, I think you're right. Guavian. Okay. Guavian Death Gang. That's what that is. Yeah. Well, um, so episode three, Shadows of Tantus. Also, um, well, okay. Let's 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 roll back to um, Paths Unknown. What's the startling discovery? I don't think I don't think startling is uh, yeah, the right word. I mean, yeah, it's not. It's either. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, I, either the plant or the young clones, but, you know, think, I think they probably already knew there were clones there. I mean, it must be the, the, the plant monster. Yeah. Um, I, I disagree with the synonym. 
or not the synonym, the adjective. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know if it even counts as a discovery. I mean, I guess they discover it on their own part. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so the last um, Shadows of Tantus, Omega and Crosshair hatch a, a daring plan. Not the case. Um, Crosshair doesn't hatch anything. He is dragged along and told either to come along or die, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it really should be Omega dra- um, dragging Crosshair along hatches a daring plan. <clears throat> but um, we see that there's a big announcement coming. The, the Emperor is coming. So um, the routine is thrown through a loop. Lamase realizes that um, Omega is about to be discovered. So she's like, you got to get the hell out of here. Um, so the entire um, like first half of this episode is the most like not um, they create the like the timer of her blood, but it's not based on any actual time frame. Like it's the slowest of her blood going through the Russian roulette kind of thing to mm-hmm. get discovered. And that's kind of like once that happens, then, you know, everything's going to hit the fan. But she's given the power to escape. She takes um, crosshairs and then functionally escapes. Um, so uh, the first thing I, would, I, I, I talked about is um, at one point when she initially gets crosshairs to escape and he starts shooting people, uh, his, his hands are locking up. What is that from? Yeah. Is that just from the effects of his torturing? Or... That would be my guess, but I have not rewatched any of Bad Batch. They show it in the first episode as well. When she first goes to talk to him, they just show a close-up of one of his hands shaking, and he takes it in the other hand to tamp it down and steady it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's, he's not in a great way. Yeah, so I'm, curi- I'm curious what they've been doing to him. Like, you know, they're clearly extracting his blood like they're doing that for everybody. Um, and um, he's he's being allowed to survive where I think a lot of them were just being killed off. Well, and I wonder how much of it is what are they doing to him and how much of it is just the spot he is in emotionally and the stuff he's been through so far and abandoning his squad to work for the empire and then the empire kind of betraying him and that guy he was with last season and killing him and throwing him in jail. And you know, how how much of it is just like psychosomatic response to his internal turmoil, Mm -hmm. even beyond whatever torture they're putting him through. Right. Um, so they haven't, you know, it's showing that they, and they do show in the episode, like he is not the same person. Um, he's still more capable than, you know, 99.9% of stormtroopers because he's able to, you know, kick some butt and commandeer mm-hmm. a ship very easily. Um, but, Plan 72. Uh, but and, and that, that, that scene was awesome. Uh, them kind of turning the tables and, um, you know, Omega is extremely capable of doing a ton of stuff now. So... Yeah. Um, and they showed that in the first episode when she's basically just clowning the droid. So she is not a helpless person. Um, she's just too attached to um, crosshairs, which in the first episode, you know, Hemlock does use crosshairs to be like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt him. 
So you need to fall in line, and she does. Yeah. <clears throat> everyone's everyone's favorite droid, the droid that's mean to uh, the stand-ins for dogs. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to be all about that droid. They're gonna they're gonna want to name that droid. Sell those action figures. Um. Yeah, I'm. I guess so. I mean, it's definitely a droid that's. Um, you know, it was it was nice for that for it to get taken out. Um, not that you know, it's the it, droid just had its programming for sure. Um, what did you think about the escape? I can't think of a less enviable position to be in than to be in Star Wars and it comes down from the top that you're going to have to execute a prison break in a post Andor world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. That said, they did a great job. And I was like, yelling go at the screen oh really you weren't you weren't yelling (laughs) one way out one way out no i was not i mean was i losing my mind like i was at andor no but i mean i think you know the answer to why they have three episodes on, on the on the first go on the first week is because it culminates with this episode and it that you know because neither of those first two other episodes really they're they're fine, but neither of them has the oomph of a premiere. Certainly not a premiere of a final season, right? I mean, right. I think the stakes are pretty high. You want them to feel like the stakes are high. And and I think we finally get to that in this third episode. I also think it is a build across these three episodes, particularly episode one and three, where you get the routine and then it begins to work like clockwork, so much so that that centrifuge is just a clock. Like they make it look like a clock and the, the slow buildup of that tension. I think they very smartly decided not to lose that momentum over the course of three weeks. And in having it come out all at once, I think it aids in how exciting that third episode is. I think that that third episode is more exciting when you watch it in close proximity to one and two, than it would be if we were finally watching that episode two weeks from now in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I thought the prison break, I mean, because again, at, even as it geared up, I was thinking like, oh man, don't like, good luck, but no way, or one way out, right? Like, good luck, you're reaching for the stars. But that whole sequence in the in the jungle, particularly when the gunship shows up and the animation with the gunship kind of kicking up dirt and, and swishing around the plants on the ground and stuff, that was all very cool. And then you know, them being let go because they figured out Omega's the key to all this and this continued unsightly and upsetting idea of, of human lives being leveraged and, and being objectified to, uh, you know, greater causes. I mean, and that's so much of what these clones are in Star Wars is they're just, you know, they're, they're again and again debased to being less than human, be it, oh, you're, you know, you're an army, you're a soldier, you don't have a choice in that, or in Omega's case, you represent a scientific breakthrough and, you know, so I will allow you to live, but it's because I see you as less than human. I need you around. It all, it all went off very well. Yeah. I thought the last 10 minutes of this episode or so were very compelling, very compelling and a good action sequence, them taking the gunship and all that. 
Well, and too, you know, she gets she defeats herself once they get out of the facility. Uh, you know, it's it the comms are down. We can't call it for help. And then you know, her positivity infects two crosshairs where he's able to execute Order seventy two. Um, so there's yeah. there there are high mo- moments in this, but it's also like, and this just speaks to how well Hemlock is as a villain. Like when he lets them go, he's like, you know, it's it sounds like an inevitability before he will have them again. Yeah, I mean, you got to figure if you're him, and I mean, I, I guess credit to the writers for not just having him come out and so bluntly say it. But I mean, if you're him, I feel like you're like, well, I mean, I got I got hold of her once. And now I've just talked to the emperor and I probably will have even more resources than I did the first time I got all over. Let's talk about that. Palpatine is in this. Ian McDermott is in this. We got very close to, I think, wrapping up without even mentioning that. Um, I'm sure whatever's going on behind those doors will be revealed to us, maybe. But I did. I mean, I was just getting irritated at a certain point where it's like, all right, first we show that there's these big fancy doors then we show them go through the big fancy doors. Then we show them go through the big fancy doors and look at something, but you don't show what they're looking at. And I was like, just leave me alone. Quit bugging me with this. You're just showing me or don't. I don't freaking care. Leave me alone. Uh, what did you think of Palpatine in this? I mean, I, I it was nice to hear that voice. Um, not that the voice that did Palpatine for most of the Clone Wars wasn't bad. Or wasn't good. Um, Ian Abercrombie, the lady in Abercrombie, and then Tim Curry at the very end there. Yeah, Ian Abercrombie was great, but I mean, yeah, McDermott definitely brings something unique to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, it didn't give me chills because, you know, we have the benefit of episode seven, eight, and nine, and the, you know, just kind of the downer of the the payoff, but, mm. um. Yeah, it, it's not a, it's not a part that's like like I said this this the show is not fun. Um, <laughs> it's it is um, compelling in that you know it doesn't look good. Um, I really hope that um, you know it, it, it to me it's like how many members of the Bad Batch are going to be sacrificing themselves so that Omega can live on Pabu, and I I think it's going to be all of them. Um, or she's not going to make it, but I mean, I'm I'm pretty positive, you know, some of them are going to make it to Pabu. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, let me um, find out what the next episode's called. Oh, it's called um, Pabu Two. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Well, actually, that would probably be them raising Pabu to the ground. <laughs> A different approach. Maybe we should do that with our podcast. Man, you read my freaking mind. Well, um, any kind of last thoughts um, of these three episodes together, or you know what you're thinking about the upcoming season, etc. I thought that these three episodes were good. I don't necessarily feel like they are like the sort of big bang you'd expect to start a final season off with and so part of me is a little disappointed in that but another part of me has to commend them for i think 
being truer to the story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like we got the episodes that we organically would get given where the characters were at the end of season two. And I, you know, for better or worse, I don't, it doesn't seem like they contorted themselves and made the story do ridiculous, unbelievable things for the sake of a spectacle and for the sake of saying last season, pulling out all the stops. Right. And I suspect as was often the case in clone wars, you know, what, what starts as a simmer will work its way into a boil and then into a full on oil fire and explosion that will burn down the whole house. So I, yeah, I, you know, I, I was excited for this. I got into the prison break. I wasn't losing my mind, but I mean, I think, you know, the heat is on, the heat is on, the water's heating up. I think they're, I trust that they're building to something. I trust that the excitement and the edge of our seats will come. And the crazy thing is there's 12 more episodes, right? Like I, yeah. these were, these were good episodes. Um, parts are like super compelling, but it's just like, I'm not having a good time. Like I, these are not fun episodes <laughs> to watch. I'm like, Oh cool. Let's, let's just see how her, 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 how terrible her life is. This character who like, I didn't care about, I was not a fan of, I thought it was dumb. You know, I guess I can even say we thought we're dumb that there's going to be a female clone when the show started. And oh, it's I like, had no problem with female clone. I think our issue was that it was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Our issue with the trailer was, oh, I thought this was going to be like a bunch of cool grown-ups. Now they've got a freaking little cousin Oliver running around. A little pip, little pipsqueak. Uh, but ve- I mean, very quick. I mean, I think. I mean, you can go back and listen, but I think by the end of the first episode, we had come around on that for sure. But I mean, in in you saying it's not very fun, I think, again, a double-edged sword was like, you're right, it's not. But that also just speaks to the quality of the show, the quality of the writing, quality of the performances that, you know, if we didn't care about Omega, it wouldn't matter. You know, this episode would not be upsetting to watch it's just like yeah i mean princess leia was in prison characters are in prison whatever this happens in star wars they're trapped but the uh the the uh, the, the the goodwill that this show has built up towards that character and towards these characters really does make it uh, distressing to see them down and out for sure well so our episodes um well, you you enj- you you get what you deserve, fans. So it's not up to you what you get, um, but you'll it'll you'll appreciate all the content you're getting, um, how much or how much li- how little there is. Bye.